Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Mike Serker, who is the president and CEO of apparel company Alpha Industries. With roots as an outfitter of the military, the company has that rich brand history that brands across the board are currently coveting. So I wanted to ask Mike how he's leveraging that, how the company has evolved while holding true to its roots, and what challenges he's faced while transitioning the company from B2B to a consumer-facing lifestyle brand. Welcome, Mike. Hi, Jill. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So for those that don't don't know the company, tell me about that rich history. (laughs) The rich history. Well, it's a family business, which is one of my proudest things to say. Uh, My grandfather started this company back in 1959. Um, he moved his family from Brooklyn, New York, down to Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, he saw a great opportunity in making products, uh, textile products for the military. And he was working for a couple companies down there as an accountant. And uh, some of these companies, the story goes, got into a little bit of shady stuff. So he figured he could kind of jump in with his own company take over all those contracts going and and take care of business. So he did. So he, when he started Alpha and he incorporated, he uh, had two contracts that were already in process that he was easy to take over as a subcontractor. He made, so the first products that Alpha ever made in the 50s was the N3B cold weather parka. A lot of people refer to that as a snorkel parka. But he made a cold weather parka for the Navy, and he made also for the Navy a shipboard shirt, which was just a little blouse kind of shirt that the guys on the deck wore. Um, and he basically, that was his first stop, and then he uh, ended up uh, being part of a, a big transition for all military services when they, as the, uh, the, the engagement in the Southeast Asia, Vietnam War was starting, was starting to kick up. And the government needed a replacement for they for their field jacket. They were using the same field jacket that they were using back in World War II, and they needed to find something new. So my grandfather with Alpha Industries and with the Navy and Army redesigned the jacket to become the, the classic uh, M- uh, 1965 M65 field coat out of Nyko Citine fabric and that was really the big uh, catalyst that brought Alpha up to up to uh, stardom and up to being a big supplier for the military. Amazing. So when did you get wind that the general, the, the population, the people might want to be wearing these clothes as well? <laughs> right. So I think it was really in the 80s, right? So 80s or 90s that, um, you know, after, you know, we were, we were involved or my grandfather and my father after him was involved in, in supplying these flight jackets and bomber coats and field coats and parkas and all sorts of products for the military. Um, over time, you know, all of these GIs basically that were coming out of the service and they had their old gear and their gear, you know, they, that they liked this alpha brand. They knew alpha was the name. So they began searching for alpha clothing, like the real McCoy. They wanted the real thing. So, uh, the, the office started fielding a lot of calls from all of these veterans asking for, can they buy this? And so, you know, at that time when they only did government contracts, so they came up with the idea, well, maybe we should do a little, uh, commercial business, um, what they called surplus business. And that's really what gives it the name of surplus, right? It's always originally contracts made for the military. So maybe the military buys 100,000 jackets. They would surplus 10,000 on it and sell that commercially. 
So those markets like opened up really big, particularly in places which is really fascinating is anywhere in the world that had a a base, um, an American military base, um, like Germany, parts of Germany, Japan in, in particular, uh, South Korea, these areas, all of these GIs are running around there wearing alpha gear. And so that the local population began to know and, you know, covet these jackets and these products because the GIs, they were the heroes. These American cool guys were running around. And so they all wanted that, that what they were wearing and what they were wearing was alpha products. So right when, right when my father basically opened up the commercial market, he had big demand in these territories of these these folks, these markets that knew the brand and they wanted the real thing. So you're still working with military supply stores, yeah? Yes, we do. We still, you know, that's always going to be part of our brand. I mean, you know, as we, as the brand grows into this fashion, you know, military interpretive fashion company, and we're sold at some of the best stores out there, we're never going to stop selling the surplus. We've got our, what we call our heritage collection, which is, you know, replicas of the original mill spec jackets from back in the day we've been making for decades. And, uh, and, and, you know, the surplus markets, the army Navy stores of the world all over the place, they, they still buy. So that's a, that's a significant part of our business. And, and, and I hope will always be. Well, I, I saw in your site, I think it's like your blog or your content, um, portion of the site, it said how Top Gun made bomber jackets famous. Were there certain, um, instances in, I guess, pop culture or, um, yeah, that made, I guess, all of of America interested and maybe not just folks in these in these towns. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, you know, the real, you know, it was in the 90s when when the MA1 in particular, which is one of our most iconic, famous jackets, the, you know, the bomber jacket, MA1 bomber, that started to show up in a lot of different subcultures, right? Whether it's the, you know, the mod culture in in in, in England and in, in the, in the, well, that's, I guess, was in the 60s, but also into the 80s. And um, a bunch of other subcultures that were wearing, um, in fact, sometimes it was cultures that we didn't even particularly like, like maybe there was like white supremacist cultures. There's all kinds of weird ways that the, that, that people were taking this iconic product uh, and, and incorporating it into their, into their wardrobes. Um, so that was happening at definitely at the consumer and market level. Um, but also, I, I, you know, one of the early uh, adopters was Hollywood. Hollywood always was buying our stuff. And, you know, you can always find alpha jackets in all kinds of movies. I mean, you know, the, the, the one that comes to mind that was a big one way back in the day was Bull Durham. This was a Kevin Costner film about baseball and he's wearing an alpha MA1 bomber. And, you know, Sylvester Stallone wearing the M65 in Rambo. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so we, 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 um, we still do that. We still, make jackets for uh, production companies in Hollywood and our products always showing up on, um, on, on feature films and music videos and all that kind of stuff. It's really, it's really fun. Very cool. Well, I was a trend writer reporter back in my day. And I just, I mean, I don't know how many times when I was talking about seasonal trends that I wrote, you know, military chic or some sort of a silly pun about <laughs> military on the runway. Um, but yes, did you work with any um, designers or fashion houses um, before launching your own brand or early on that really helped to, again, say that you're here and that you're selling? Yeah, we've worked with 
a, a number of, I mean, c- collaboration partners, right? Collabs. We've done that. That's been a big part of our business since as far back as I can remember. I took over um, as the president of the company in 2011. But before that, you know, working for my father, you know, there was always um, some sort of celebrity or designer that wanted to work with us. I mean, I, I have memories I, um, of working with Stussy way back in the day. We did a whole military series of, a, of an M65 and a bomber jacket for them that they collabed with. We, we, um, we were making jackets for um, Madonna's music tours and, and all sorts of things. Um, so we've been doing collaborations for a long time. But what, what I would say was just this big change for us, I guess, like a crossroads for the brand, if you want to call it, um, was probably about six or seven years ago now, if my timing's correct, the COVID timing sometimes <laughs> gets a little <laughs> confusing. Um, we got a call from Kanye, well, not Kanye, but his people, and yep. um, turned out that Kanye really liked the bomber jacket. He wanted to um, he wanted to use it, um, for his tours. He had his first Yeezy tour coming up and he wanted it as merch for the tour. Um, and so we were like, okay. And he wanted to buy, he did his research. His people did his research. They found that Alpha was the original manufacturer, you know, the heritage brand of all this that, you know, and, and, and so we, we shipped him a couple jackets. And next thing we know, he was, you know, all the PR, all the Instagram imagery, all that kind of stuff was showing Kanye wearing our jacket. Now, in Kanye style, he had a Confederate flag that he had attached to the jacket, which makes everybody scratch their heads a little bit here and there. But that's Kanye. And, and we know and love him for that. But um, it was it really sparked this what ended up being a global um, trend, this bomber jacket trend that really, you know, lifted Alpha up and, you know, all brands were all, everybody was making bomber jackets. And and I really attribute that to Kanye, um, really driving that. And from then on, we started, our phone was ringing off the hook from designers to other brands, whether they're outerwear brands, fashion brands, home good brands, like everybody calling us up to they wanted to do something military and so they come to alpha because they want that reputation and that heritage on their label um and we've made a ton of stuff um for a number of brands yeah i mean i love that story i love that i mean the power of kanye i love that he did his homework and was not just collaborating with with any old brand making bombers um so you ended up doing his tour merch. Um, where was that sold? Was that um, a big sales driver, numbers driver for you guys? Huge numbers. I mean, in this in this category, right? Just what we call our entertainment division of private label or or customized uh, post production stuff. This was the largest order we'd ever seen. Okay, and this is, you know the numbers on these are never huge, but I mean you're talking about thousands of jackets per tour. And then when he came back for like the second Yeezy tour, he came back and bought more. And so, yeah, all these products were all basically, you know, we took them, we, we screen printed Yeezy tour on the back of them. And, you know, we even took a couple of them and, and, and made them special unique with like a one out of a hundred or one out of 10, just to make them really good. And we, we seeded those out to Kanye and, and the Kardashians, you saw the Kardashians are all now wearing it and stuff like that. So it was a really big hit for us. Um, and it really, it really, I think, 
you know, the thing I've always said about Alpha is that like we're we we have a great reputation. We're a heritage brand. We never stray too far away from that stuff, and that was always really important to me. Um, but we've always been well known in trade, right? So the the brand the brands themselves or stores or media folks like yourself, like they're all very familiar with Alpha. The consumer side, we're working on building our awareness and we've got a lot of different strategies around that. But when it comes to like exposure, now all these brands who know who we are, they're now seeing us as something in demand, as unique and hot. Kanye, Kardashians, all this kind of stuff. So our phone's ringing off the hook. We're selling to, um, you know, Barney's, what was the Barney's in New York? They want us in their front window. We never sold to Barney's before, you know, and, and, and the, you know, Herods of London and all these kinds of places are coming up. Um, and, and then, you know, we're getting calls from, we did a project with Vetmont out of, uh, out of Paris. Um, they were doing something. Comme de Garçon wanted to work with us. Um, you know, and the list goes on, honestly. Um, and we've got a lot of collab projects that are kind of in the hopper right now that are really exciting too. Amazing. I know you have a lot of collaborations on your site, everyone from NASA to New Balance. Like what makes a, a strong collaborator and how many are you doing, I guess, per year? Yeah. So, I mean, what makes a strong collaborator? That's that's a really good question. You know, I think for a, a while, to be honest with you, to, for a while, we weren't really leveraging it the way I'd want to. I mean, I think basically any brand, like I said earlier, that wanted you know, a, a, a stamp of authenticity. They wanted, they were going to do some sort of military part of their collection, whatever it is. And these are, every brand had a bomber jacket. Every brand was doing this. And if they wanted that stamp of authenticity, then they would come to us. And, and so we were, I would just, I look at it almost like I tell my people, we were kind of renting our brand name out there. We were, we were controlling design to a point, but most of the time it was their project. They're the ones who took the inventory and did all the distribution and did most of the marketing. And we kind of just manufactured the product for them, right? And we, we lent them our, our brand name. Now we're, we're in a phase, a different phase. Now we're in a phase where we're like, okay, we now have some awareness. We need to basically take, uh, own the collab, essentially, is the words that we're using. We need to go out and we want to find the partners ourselves and find these right partners that, you know, aren't, you know, have some, you know, heritage is a big factor for us. You asked, like, what kind of partner am I looking for? I look for people who are heritage players. Like, we just dropped a collaboration with New Balance. Heritage brand, been around a long time, very quality, really knows their game, and they don't, you know, they're not mass, and they care about all these kinds of things. And so we did a cool little capsule with them of a shoe and, and you know, uh, pullovers and hoodies and shirts. And that was out of our Asia office that we did that, that project. Um, the other, the other project that we're doing that we're about to drop, which is really exciting. And this lends to what kind of partners we're looking for is we're working with, um, Activision in their latest drop of Call of Duty. So Call of Duty is coming out with a new game. And, you know, this game, I'm not much of a gamer, but this <laughs> game is huge. I, I mean, I, if yep. I know it, it's huge. And, I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I must so, say. Yeah. yeah. Call of Duty is a, and so, you know, this is a, a great opportunity for Alpha to really get exposure to, 
to people that, again, might not know who we are. It's a younger audience, we feel, but, you know, who knows? The gamers these days are up and down the chain. It's it's a really interesting market, but just such big exposure. So Activision came to us and their, you know, their games are all kind of history-related military games. And they asked us to design a jacket that the avatar would wear in the game. So in the game, he's wearing an Alpha B-15 bomber jacket, which was historically accurate during that war. And um, it's it's designed by us in a digital format and and it's got the red ribbon in it and it's so cool. And then we also made like real life ones. You know, we made a, a limited edition, you know, 100, 200 jackets and we're controlling all of that uh, distribution. And what's really What's really sick about this thing that I love is that they they gave us a secret map. And so we drew, we, we, we included the map or screen printed the map into the lining of the jacket. And you need this map, supposedly, you need this map to level up in the game. So there's going to be this big frenzy to get this jacket for everybody to get moving in the game and go forward and all that kind of stuff. So these are just some really neat projects for us. And I mean, they're just a little bit outside, you know, outside the box. You know, That's we're not just so cool. Yeah. So it's a little different and it's fun um, and, and very exciting. For sure. Well, first of all, so, you know, it's it's an Alpha Industries jacket uh, while playing the game. Like, what are the, the cues? What, how, how does the gamer know? Well, I think the, the the main cue is the red ribbon, right? So, you know, we have this red ribbon, this remove before flight ribbon, um, which is just, um, you know, it's, we hope it, it's very bright and red and people, when they see them walking down the street, they could think that that's an alpha jacket. In most cases, there are plenty of other brands that I think that use that a little bit, but um, hopefully it's one of ours. So I think that the avatar is going to be having that red ribbon. Um, and then I believe in these games, like I call them, I think they're called skins or something, right? The, the, the user. Yes, you're right. Okay. I'm, I'm on it. All right. I'm not, <laughs> I too, I'm that, not that old. Yeah. <laughs> so they can go and they can buy the skin and they can buy the jacket, I suppose, for in-game and, and all that kind of stuff. Amazing. Would you say this is the most forward, uh, I guess, in activation in, um, move that you guys have made Have you got, um, in terms of digital? I didn't see a lot of TikTok or, or <laughs> um, kind of crazy social things happening. I haven't heard about you guys doing NFTs. Like, Is this kind of the most for- forward thing you've done? By far. By far. Yeah. This is definitely okay. progressive. This is definitely uh, beyond my, my scope, I would say. <laughs> nice. Is this a way to reach... I guess I don't want to classify gamers as being one demo, but um, ideally in, in your eyes or as you hope, it's an opportunity to reach a younger audience or who's your audience now and and what opportunity is there in terms of reaching new people? Yeah, no, that's a great question. This is what I was saying about, about gamers that I, I, I also, I think, fall into that rabbit hole of thinking that they're younger, but I'm not so sure that they are. I think that, you know, if you read the stats on gamers these days, it's 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 enormous. I mean, the, the the industry itself is dwarfs huge industries that we think of, like you know, sporting, you know, like the NFL, like not even close. The amount of users that are going to these systems to play these games and purchase merchandise or skins or whatever it is, those numbers are through the roof. So the I think that the demos are all over. Um, I think, you know, our primary demo is more or less anywhere from an 18 year old up to a 35, 40 year old. 
But we also sell our original heritage products and those go up to guys, you know, and, and girls way up. And, and we also have a small kids line. So, but our target, our real focus is trying to get that 18 year old to become familiar with us, get hooked on some of these really cool collabs like we have with like the bathing apes of the world and, 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 you know, Playboy, we do something with and NASA products, Mad Happy, all these cool stuff that we're doing. Um, and that they really get exposed to the brand. They get, they get the quality, they get the heritage and all that kind of stuff. And then they become customers for life. We hope. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. Is it, is a challenge, is a headache for you? The fact that, like you said, like fast fashion brands, everybody's really hijacking your style. There's, um, (laughs) everybody's doing a version of, of, of a bomber. Everybody's, um, anyway, to stand out that you've got the red, you've got the differentiators that signal the brand. Um, is there, I guess, uh, I don't know. Do you, are you, are you wanting to put more logos and more, I don't know, signifiers that this is alpha industries? How do you get cut through the noise? I guess. Yeah. So I mean, yes, everybody's got some sort of military, um, or utility, you know, part to their collection, luxury brands, everybody's got it. Um, Zara's of course, and you know, they do good jobs. I mean, I, I, you know, I even see like the Zara surplus brand, they got interesting stuff over there too. Um, we, you know, we stick to what we do best and, you know, we just make, we've got, you know, great factories that we work with and we've worked with for a long time. We really take a lot of care in the quality, um, particularly of our, our fabrics that we use. We, you know, we have what we call flight nylon, which is our most common fa- fabric. We've got this nicosatine, which is, um, a super fabric, extremely durable, like tear resistant, water resistant that was used on the M65 back in the day. We still make it to the same spec. Um, so we, we take a lot of, uh, um, patience and time with quality. That, that's a big thing. And then, you know, the rest is about telling the story, I guess, you know, we, we, of course we design product. We've got a lot of new designers on the team and we're, so, we're, we're really pushing the boundaries on, reinventing old military or old utilitary wear. You know, every brand out there, like you said, very correctly, has a bomber jacket. But does every brand know why and do they tell the story of why the lining is bright orange? Do they know that that's so you can reverse it so that if you're a pilot, they gave this because of the pilots, if they ever crash landed and they needed to get out and they were in enemy territory, they reverse their jackets to a high visibility orange so that they can be rescued. Or do they know, you know, if they're going to sell a field coat, do they have the special tab that goes on the wrist, which was originally designed so to protect these guys that connected to a special glove that prevented radiation poisoning from like if there was a nuclear attack or something like that. Or why there's a hidden hood behind the, or all the the whys. The I mean, details basically, details matter, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> details definitely matter. Definitely matter to us. Um, and 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 a story behind it, and and then the story yep. behind of the why, the details. I think is just fun, really, for us. For sure. So. You have a lot of things working to your advantage in the last, I mean, year and a half, which hasn't been easy, an easy time for anyone. But um. The fact that, you know, if you're going to buy something, you want to make sure that it's in style when you come out of lockdown or when you start going out and hitting the town. Tell me about the year that you had uh, between March 2020 and now. Um, how have your sales been? Did it did it slump? Go back up? Are you above ni- 2019? Walk me through it. You know, we, we actually did pretty well. 
I would say. I, I, um, we, we grew, okay? It was more modest growth than it has been in the past. Um, but 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 we we came out really well, I would say, considering um, some of these just you know stories that you read about of these other brands and retailers that really suffered out there, and I would attribute that to a couple things. Um, number one, like I was talking a little bit about earlier in the conversation, is is we're we're very diversified, we're global. Okay, so yes, it is a global pandemic, but when you have markets all over the place and these markets want different things from you, maybe we have a big market. In um, Russia, for example, we have a big market in Russia and Russia loves us in the surplus channel, although we are starting to sell into the fashion as well. So they want the surplus products. But then we've got this other big growing market in Korea and Korea wants all the fashion product. And then, you know, Europe is obviously very strong. Japan's very strong. We have a new partner in China. So just being diversified, I think, has really uh, protected us from, you know, major hits in different parts of the world. So different markets essentially were able to come out of the pandemic or at least out of lockdown and retail pick back up. So we got a lot of help, um, I think, from being diversified. Second, yeah, second thing I would say is that I think that a lot of people might end up kind of going back to basics or back to what they know and feel comfortable with. So a retailer might take a little bit less risk in buying and selecting the brands they're going to stock on their shelves. So they go to brands that they've worked with for a long time. They know these brands pay their bills. They know these brands sell at the end of the day. And, and you know, it's more of a safe bet. So I think that that also worked to our advantage out there. Yes. And then the last thing I was just going to say real quick was that we also made big strides to DTC. So heading into before pandemic, we had already taken a, a very intentional shift from wholesale partnerships to e-commerce and pop-up shops, well, not pop, but and retail and all that sort of stuff. And so that certainly helped because I think we, along with all these other brands out there, anybody who was in e-commerce really, I think got a nice lift. Um, and those who were not, um, I think are scrambling probably to get online as strong as they can. And so we just threw a, you know, extra firepower into our e-commerce departments, into our social media and marketing, and it served us pretty well. Yes. What is that firepower? You're putting more money into social ads. What are you doing? Is that right? And and what channels? Uh, yeah. What's behind that? Yeah. So you know, social. Uh, honestly, um, you 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 got to take care of it, right? You got you know you've got this is how people. This is how people research things these days. I mean, you know, it's interesting for me that I, I'm not I'm not the most social. My wife very social on social brands, and she's just showing me, Mike, you got to get this thing right. So, we threw um, we we brought in a a a head of our social media department from from another company came in, did a fantastic job, and just our imagery got a lot better. Our um, our just copy, all that kind of stuff got better. So we really focused on, you know, the Facebook, Instagram angle. Now we're in talks of, of expanding out to test into the TikTok and Snap. Big reason behind that is because Facebook right now is, um, you know, very expensive. This kind of stuff is growing extremely expensive these days. So everybody now is the competition level is so high now. If you want to advertise on Facebook, it's significantly more expensive than it was even just six months ago, frankly. So it's it's forcing brands, I think, like me, I don't think I'm alone here in that to expand to all these other channels to to see if that that customer responds well to it. 
And, you know, and just better, you know, storytelling again, at the end of the day, like storytelling, like getting you know, imagery is important, copies important, all that kind of stuff. But like, what is, what do people respond to? What do they want to hear from us? You know, do they want that sustainability story? Do they want the influencer, you know, Hollywood celeb story? Do they want to just know what's new and fresh from Alpha and like a quality thing? Like there's all different kinds of angles. And so I think we're just getting smarter about it, frankly. Yeah. Well, what's working? You mentioned that Hollywood celebrity person. I know you just recently collaborated with uh, Haley Bieber's stylist. Uh, how do you say her name? Maeve Riley? Maeve. Um, yep. Maeve Riley. Um, but yeah, did that work? What What's working um, to acquire those customers? Yeah. So that, that, was, a, that was a new a new strategy for us um, that I thought was really interesting. And I, and I really like it is that, you know, look, you can go out and, and cut a big check for a big name, you know, and you, you, you get them to go out and promote your product for you. Okay. Now to them, you hope that they care about your brand. You hope they like the product. Otherwise it's very transactional. And I think that, that, the, the the people, the consumers and people out there, they they know that stuff. They can read that, you know, easily. So they know, I think, who's somebody who's just hawking product at them versus somebody who actually cares and is a true, you know, fan of the brand, supposedly. So so the Mave project, which was very interesting to me, was that um our head of marketing, our new our department head of marketing, she has been following me for a long time, right? And and she came to me with this concept that was new. And it was like, you know, instead of focusing on the hero, essentially, let's just call that the influencer, right? That the person, well, what about the hero behind the hero? The the influencer, the person who makes that influencer, that celebrity so special. The one who's like really behind the scenes, working hard and all that kind of stuff. And so we, she brought to me Maeve as like, okay, so Maeve is a stylist for super celebrities, Haley Bieber, Megan Fox, like all these different people that she has got. She's a super celebrity. Uh, these celebrities that are out there on the, you know, red carpets and, and, you know, what they're wearing is all the news and all the, and so we, we decided to go with this angle of like, Let's tell the story of the person behind the person. And so Maeve was great. She came. She did great. We, we asked her, like, you do all the styling. The photo shoot is you, but you also do all the styling. You help pick all the, the talent and the, and the models that we're going to use. You help pick the, the locations. Like, this is all your project, true collaboration project. And that is what buys in the, the, the buy-in and the passion from, from Maeve that we saw come out. And now all of our wheels are spinning on like, okay, what's next? You know, if we want, you know, like a, a sports athlete or something like that, like, well, who, who, who gets that person to the peak? Is it their trainer? Is it their agent? Is it their, you know, whatever that, you know, their high school baseball coach that they, that they remember that like drove them to this place. And that's, and that's an angle that we're taking because it just, you get real buy-in again, that real passion. That's important. That's cool. That makes perfect sense. Well, you mentioned um, ramping up social, also ramping up your direct-to-consumer. What percentage of your sales are direct-to-consumer, and and what changes have you recently made to your website? So we are now, I would say, probably about 30%, maybe up, a th- up to a third of sales are coming through um, the website. And the changes we've made 
we definitely, one is that we went to a much stronger platform that can handle things. Okay. We're on the Shopify platform, which is a much more stronger and robust platform than we were on before. So more technology, more options, more features, that kind of stuff. We also outsourced um, to agencies to help us with, you know, digital marketing, essentially, whether that's Google ads or, or it's SEO or, or, or whatever. Um, internally, we focused a lot on talent that we're using, models, talent, and, and um, photography. Definitely much, much improved on that kind of stuff. Um, but the, the, the last thing that really probably makes the most difference is just a big focus on the u- user experience. Okay, what does the site look like? What what does what do we want them to feel when they come see here? I mean, five, ten years ago, the first thing they, they might have saw was a discount code or a, you know, like, you know, the MA1, right? And now we're like, no, 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 no. Now we're we gotta blend this telling our story, what is our roots and why that makes us relevant today. And here are here's the new fresh looks that we can, we can put you in and here's how to dress, you know, if you, how to wear an alpha jacket with a pair of Levi's and, you know, new balance and all that kind of stuff. So we're very, very focused on that user experience, I think. And, and that's, you know, it's definitely like, you know, it's, 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 it's helping a ton. And, and also the last thing I did want to bring up about the website that I'm personally really proud of because it's a, it's a thing for us is, and we, we re, we redid the whole thing is, we started up a vintage and dead stock um, and upcycling section of our website. So I saw this. It looks we, really good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We, we, it's called, we call it Operation Resupply. And basically, Alpha, because of our long history, I have a lot of contacts in the vintage trade, military vintage trade in particular, military and utility. And so we've got great access to all of these products, like vintage products and dead stock too. Dead stock's so cool. I mean, basically, we know these vendors that have, you know, whether jackets or bags or tents or whatever it was that was made for the military, shipped, but never actually issued to to anybody and they sat in some sort of depot somewhere and now then they just get sold for so it's like the real thing unused it's like it's dead stock it's like super cool very rare very hard to fill and there's tons of alpha too tons of alpha we're finding in the vintage trade you know if i want to find an alpha jacket from the 70s i need a park an alpha park from the 70s or i need alpha you know, flight pants from the eighties, like we call these guys up and they're able to find them. And it's like, it's so cool that like alpha products is, is what leads this whole resupply offering, but we carry all kinds of products. So we just gave it a facelift. Boots? Tell me there are boots. <laughs> yeah, there's, <laughs> there certainly were boots. I think that they sold out now that I think about it. But yeah, you can find <laughs> boots, combat boots. I don't know if they're ladies, but maybe you could size down. But we'll make them work. I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll now put it on my like to do list. We'll find you some <laughs> some nice combat boots from the from the seventies. Do not <laughs> tease a girl, Mike. Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, it looks so good. I I mean, vintage is and resale is having a moment. Um, I don't know if you'd call that resale, but yes. Anyway, I love what you're doing there. Um, tell me about you said uh, you talked about diversifying your the markets that you're focused on. What about production? Is that happening in one location? Is that diversified as well? 
You know, that's a good question. I, 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 we, we haven't done so yet. We, we've, we've diversified a little bit in terms of outside of China. We're doing, we're doing, yeah, I mean, almost all of our product is made in China. And, and the reason for that is that it's, it's not, it's not a price thing. You can certainly source things in other parts of this world that you can probably get it cheaper. It's not about that. It's honestly about the quality. And I know that a lot of people don't recognize that, but they've been manufacturing virtually everything for us, particularly in the textile industries for so long now that they have the best machines. They've got the best infrastructure. They've got some of the best techs, technicians like, you know, sewers and so forth. So you get great quality there. Um, and, and so we're, we're still pretty centralized in China. Now we do do some other products like t-shirts out of, out of, you know, India or Middle East. And we do some, um, some sweats and fleece down in Latin America, like Colombia, Peru. And in the States, we're also now in talks with a couple new suppliers that we do want to start bringing some product back. And it's, it's serves two part parts. One, I, you know, we're originally an Americana company. We manufactured here for a long time. I would love to be able to bring some stuff back that makes sense, right? We expect it to be more expensive, of course, but at the end of the day, like if the quality's there and we can do it and we can provide jobs and all that sort of stuff, it's a really nice story for us. Um, but secondly, you have much quicker turn, right? You can see a trend coming, you can see something that's really interesting, a new fabrication, whatever it is, and you can turn that out into the market and you can be ahead because this is, the apparel industry has become very fast. Like it's, you know, the typical calendar for an outerwear company like mine could be upwards of 18 months from concept when I sit down to like design and sketch a jacket to when that thing hits the retail floor, it could be upwards of 18 months. I mean, a typical cut. So we need to find ways to cut that down significantly. And domestic manufacturing is one of those methods, but you got to find the right people that can keep that quality and, and do it right. And so, yeah, we're, we're looking at that too. Um, but it's, it's tough. It's tough finding this stuff, um, these days. Yeah. Well, well, with your international production, uh, how are you set up for the holiday? Do you feel, are you in a good place? Are you, do you have those inventory concerns? <laughs> we are done. Like we have shipped. So yes, we had major logistic issues. I think like everybody in every industry, right? I mean, not just apparel, but I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. I, I was just looking for Halloween costumes the other day. Everything sold out, right? Because it's just, you can't, you know, it's just it, it, everything sold. But yeah, but but we, we, we finished. We, we finished all of our shipments. We got them all to our customers, all within the, the deadlines. And in fact, you know, when I look around online or go to a shopping mall, there's a lot of holes there. There's definitely inventory shortages all over the place. And I am very happy, very proud of my team too, that like really got this thing together and was able to get all those goods. And it's not, of course, not just coming to the States. We're talking about shipping all over the world, Korea, Japan, Europe, Russia, Canada, America, Latin America, everywhere. Um, and we had very few cancellations. And so very, very happy about that. Um, but to your more to your question is I expect these to continue. These problems, I expect them to continue. Um, everybody says this. I've been really keeping up with the logistics whole thing and listening to these experts talk about it. It's, it's, it's scary, but it's really interesting how this all kind of came about. The pandemic was a major catalyst to all this, of course. 
Um, but I, I, I think we're going to find these problems continuing for a long time, unfortunately. You mentioned the holes that you're seeing in store or in malls. Um, any, I don't know, any desire to tap into that, take advantage, open some of your own stores while probably leases are, you can get a good deal? Uh, yeah, actually, we're doing our first pop-up, our first Amer- uh, pop-up in the States. We, we've done a bunch of retail. We, we have a couple flagship stores in places like Japan and Europe, but um, we're doing our first pop-up, not this fall winter. We wanted to, but we, we decided to pull back, hold off for one for a minute, and next fall is going to be our first um, alpha pop-up in New York. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's, you know, this is, uh, you know, a necessity for brands these days, particularly as we were talking about earlier, how this, the, the cost, um, um, for digital marketing is going up so much. These are ways that you can kind of reduce that cost per acquisition kind of men- mentalities. If you go, you get, you know, you get at the street level and you pick up and you introduce the brand, um, those ways. Um, but you know, the holes that I'm seeing, yeah, you know, I, I tell you, I, I I have stock, and so we expect these the retailers to get their goods in and call back. We hope, and um, things are checking and going out the door, and they need some more. And and certain brands, particularly the small brands, and you feel for them because they don't have the capacity really, and and maybe the financial backing and so forth to 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 drive these things. So there's probably a number of these small like independent brands that are struggling. So there should be, and, and then you hear the big news like Nike. Nike has already said they expect their sales to be down something like 30%, just purely based on lack of inventory. So there's, you know, it's, it's going to, I'll tell you, it's going to be an interesting holiday. We are going to see the Black Fridays of the, of, of, I'd be surprised if we go into Black Friday and people are still pushing these enormous promotions and all that kind of stuff because there simply is an inventory. Yeah. Are you going to be doing any promotions? Well, we, we've got them teed up, um, but certainly not the way they were in the past couple of years. They're certainly tied down a little bit because of inventory issues. And, and also naturally, like, you know, we're, we're in a process of bringing the brand more up market. We want the brand to be a little bit more pure, less about discounts. You know, our, our stuff is already priced really well. I mean, you get alpha jackets, you get some of our most quality, our MA1, our, our staple iconic jacket. That jacket costs $165. I mean, it's, it's really should be more like $250, like at the, at the quality value compared that to other brands. So I, I think that, you know, discounting, you know, I think it's part of our culture. I think our shopping culture, um, our consumer culture expects it to some point. But I, I'm, like I said earlier, I expect all the brands out there to probably hold back a little bit is my, is my expectation. But we'll see. We'll see. And we're ready to like match and make sure that our customers are happy, of course, you know, when the time comes. For sure. Well, tell me, I guess, last question, kind of your, if you have a five-year plan or where you see the business going in the next couple of years, uh, we'll say after next year, you're telling me it's going to get worse with <laughs> supply and it's going to be a fiasco. But anyway, um, what, what's your goal for the brand? Um, lifestyles, you want to evolve far past outerwear. Where's it going? Yeah, so we, I mean, I think there's a lot of really exciting things on the horizon. Yes, once we get past this logistics thing, um, we, um, we're we going to start, like I was saying earlier about collaborations, we're going to start um, controlling a lot more of that. So we're going to be seeking our own 
partners. So for example, like um, we have in you know, the next couple of years, next year, in fact, our, our lineup is um, we're dropping with uh, New Era and Major League Baseball. Okay, so we're making a capsule collection for every baseball team out there. Then in the summertime, we have the license that we went out and got for Top Gun. So the new Top Gun movie, Maverick, is going to come out and we have the license for that. So we're going to be, um, we've designed a bunch of Top Gun inspired products that we're going to be selling there. Um, and then back with New Era, we're going to do it for the NFL. So we're going to be doing this oh, launch for cool. the NFL. So we got a lot of things going like that. We've got... Um, unfortunately I'm not allowed to talk about it yet, but we've got some luxury level designers that want to do collaborations with us. So we're going to be doing all that kind of stuff. And just the really exciting thing that I'm, I'm very excited about, which again is at early stages, but I figure in about two years, we're going to start developing a higher positioned brand capsule essentially. So right now alpha fits in this really nice uh, price sweet spot, uh, you know, the 150 up to 300 kind of level. And that's great. And that, that's our bread and butter. And we're never going to look past it. But we also find that, that there's a lot of demand for the, the product that's at, you know, a more premium level, special products, limited edition, you know, um, whatever we, we kind of refer to this as alpha spec ops, special operations. And, and we, have interesting ideas to to work with, you know, um, um, guest designers. And um, I mean, we're in talks with like Greg Lawrence of the world that are interested in our vintage and doing some upcycling programs like that. So I, I'm expecting a lot more design coming through, not necessarily our main line, our standard stuff, but we're going to build out like our non outdoor categories, full lifestyle brand, and we're going to be doing some upscale stuff. So that's really cool. And again, collabs, huge part of our brand. We're always going to work those. And um, can you tell a story? Yes. I mean, I hope you do some more with Kanye. <laughs> would you say? <laughs> yes. I mean, would you say that that um, – did that almost did that p- open your eyes? I guess to um, either the streetwear world, and I'm sure that they latched on like the the high snobbies and the hype beasts of the world to um, buzzing about that collaboration. And also, you mentioned kind of the limited edition and the limited runs. It just speaks very streetwear to me. Um, did that kind of open your eyes to that market and and the potential there? That collaboration. It really did. I mean, like like we talked about earlier, that was a that was a game changer for us, frankly. I mean, just, you know, volume one, but just how our products that we've been making for so long can just get reborn and, you know, revitalized into something really special. And now you've got, you know, you don't just recycle what you have. You've got to like update it, you know, with the new fabrics and technology, new colors, fits, like all that different kind of stuff that, that, that you can. You can't just turn around to the same consumer and say, buy this same jacket, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, we like, you know, we really look to the the influencer level to help just build that brain awareness. Because again, I, I feel um, we don't have many unhappy customers. So once they come in and they get the product and they understand the story and they understand they and they get the feel and they're out in a rainstorm and they're protected and all that kind of stuff and they they didn't, you know, spend thousands of dollars on the product and they feel really good about it, the loyalty level is very very strong. So our game plan is about awareness. 
How do we, who are we going after? Really figure out who that alpha male and alpha female are and, and where do they show up? What do they love? What do they want to be involved in? And what's going to make them passionate and move towards the brand? When we figure that stuff out, then we get the awareness going and then we get the brand loyalty. And that, that's the game plan. Awesome. Well, it will be exciting to follow you and see who you team with to be your kind of megaphone for your story. Um, awesome. Well, Mike, thanks so much for being here. It was good to chat. Oh, my pleasure. It was good to chat with you too, Jill. I appreciate it. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to The Glossy Podcast. See you next week.